I'm glad each one of you are here. And uh, we are in the book of Numbers, chapter 12, and we will be picking up with verse 15. I just want to mention the fact that there are announcement sheets on the welcome desk. And it tells us um, what's going on through the rest of the month and so forth. So make sure you grab one of them so you can look and see what's going on in the future. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and how thankful we are for the love that you so freely gave us in Jesus Christ, the love that you demonstrated by coming to earth for no other purpose than to redeem us, your people. And Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave on our behalf, a sacrifice beyond what we can even understand, the giving of your own life, the shedding of your own blood, that by your blood we might be healed. And I pray, Heavenly Father, as we look into this portion of Scripture, that we might be encouraged not only to be believers, not only to walk after your ways, but also to be willing to share our faith with anyone we have opportunity to, because we are your ambassadors of the good news of salvation. So, Lord, I pray that you would use us with every opportunity that we might have to tell others of the saving faith that you so freely gave to all mankind. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, in this portion, it's interesting, we're going to be picking up with verse 15. We're going to see how loving our Lord is, that he made exceptions to obedience of certain commands that he gave if that obedience became impossible. It doesn't take away from his commands, but just in the way that we might uh, obey him, the way we might serve him might be a little bit different than he expected in the sense of the law. And uh, for instance, we're going to be looking at today about the fact that there were certain sacrifices that the people couldn't uh, take to the tabernacle and offer to the Lord because it was too far. The distance was, uh, made it impossible. But yet, the Lord allowed them to offer sacrifices and eat meat at home. And so the point is, there are times that the Lord might grant us the freedom to maybe not do certain things that he would like us to do because it becomes impossible. You know, for instance, if you're sick and, um, you know, have a fever or whatever, and you were supposed to be going and meeting with someone to share the gospel, you can't do it because you're sick. And the Lord would, you know, release you from that obligation, but I guarantee you he'd make another opportunity. And then you have to be willing, be willing to go. So we're going to see how much the Lord delights in this particular portion, the gathering of his people. And it's the highlight for me of the week for all of us as believers to gather together. And the thing we have to realize, the gathering of God's family together is no different than we desire our families to gather together at certain times of, of year and certain holidays, right? And those of us that are parents and, and grandparents, it's not enough just if Vi and I get together. We want to be together with all of our children. We want to be together with all of our grandchildren. We want to all be together. And usually it, it is focused around feasting, Right? But that is what we find in Scripture, too. Most of the main gatherings that the Jews had was centered around feasting. And so oftentimes when we gather, whether it's for you know, the Thanksgiving meal or for a Christmas meal, it's around 
feasting. But when we feast, the thing that we should always be thinking of is the fact that God, God supplied it all. How thankful we can be that we are even able to sit down together as a family and enjoy a wonderful meal together because it's all from the supply of God's hands. Now, Deuteronomy 12, picking up with verse 15. However, and in the portion Frank covered this morning, it talked about the fact that you were supposed to slaughter certain animals that were sacrificed to the Lord at the tabernacle. When it talks about it, the place... Uh, or the tribe where he commanded. It was where the tabernacle was located. The tabernacle was located in a number of different spots. Uh, it's interesting, if you study Joshua, you'll find almost no mention of, of the, the location of the tabernacle. But we know from other portions of Scripture and from history that the tabernacle wasn't in any one place. Because we have to remember, it wasn't until the time of Solomon that a temple was built. David bought the land where the temple would be established, and Solomon built the temple, but prior to that, people still came to the tabernacle to offer their sacrifices to the Lord. So in, in Deuteronomy 12, 15, however, you may slaughter and eat meat within all your gates, whatever your heart desires, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. The unclean, now it's talking about those that might have committed some kind of a ceremonial sin, maybe those who were unclean because they were around a dead person or, or whatever. That caused a person to be, according to the law, unclean. So uh, that's what it's referring to here. And the clean may eat of it. Of the gazelle and the deer alike. That's a new thing. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Only you shall not eat the blood, you shall pour it on the earth like water. You may not eat within your gates the tithe of your grain offering, of your new wine, or, uh, or your oil, or the firstborn of your herd, or of your flock, or of any offering which you vow of your freewill offerings, or the heave offerings um, of, your hand, of your hand, but you shall eat them before the Lord your God in the place which the Lord your God chooses, and your son and your daughters your male servants and your female servants and the Levites who was within your gates, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God uh, in all to which um, you put your hands. Take heed to yourselves and do not forsake the Levites as long as they live in the land. So in other words, what he's telling them, as far as hunting for gazelle and other form and deer, um, and they could eat meet within their own cities, within their own boundaries. But those things that were specifically offered to the Lord, like the, the, the first uh, uh, animal that opened the womb, uh, was to be offered as a sacrifice to the Lord. And other vows that people might make. Those vows that people made and those sacrifices that were required to be sacrificed to the Lord had to be taken to the tabernacle to be offered because only there could the blood be poured out before the Lord on his altar. Only there could the blood be an offering of, of our love to the Lord. Now, sacrifices and uh, burnt offerings, uh, we understand, had to be slaughtered within the tribe. And, uh, but the fact is that they could eat whatever they slaughtered within their tribes, within their own families, as long as it wasn't a specific sacrifice they had made to the Lord, which was a new thing. Now, we have to remember that 
the 40 years that the children of Israel traveled in the desert, their primary food source was manna. And uh, we don't know exactly what manna was. In fact, the word manna in the Hebrew means what is it? <laughs> no, that's what it means. And, uh, but we know that it provided all the nutrition they needed. It tells us about its taste being like coriander bread. And so it had a good, a good taste to it. It was filling. It supplied all of their nutritional needs. And that seemed to have been their main staple. Now, there was a time that they complained about not eating meat, and, and the Lord sent a flock of quail into the camp. It got caught up in their nets. And uh, it's, it was just so much that they had it said was between their teeth that the Lord then brought a plague upon them because of their unwillingness to be satisfied with what he gave them. So the reality is that probably most often when they were traveling in the wilderness, their main food source was manna. Now, they did have some cattle. They had oxen, we know, that pulled the carts and, and so forth. And, um, but it does seem to be that manna was their main food source. But now the Lord is telling them, when you come into the land, you're going to have cattle. Remember, they were going to take over a, a land that had houses already there, vineyards already there, cattle already there. And so they were going to have all of this food source now. And he's telling them that within your borders, because you're going to be... Where you actually um, live might be a long ways from where the tabernacle is. Because remember, each tribe was get, given certain portions of land. And we'll get into more detail in that as we go through the scripture. And some of the tribes, for instance, in the north, were quite a ways away from where the, the tabernacle was and where the uh, Holy of Holies was and, and, and the altar of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And so it would be impossible for them every time they were going to sacrifice meat to the Lord to come that far. And so he was saying, in that case, you can offer it within your own gates and within your own borders. But they were supposed to eat it as unto the Lord, as coming from God. You know, um, no animal, it tells us, we're going to find repeatedly throughout this portion, no animal was to be eaten with its life blood in it. No animal. And um, because why? The blood, the life belongs to the Lord. Again, um, blood was not to be eaten because Scripture tells us that the life of all flesh is in the blood. And, um, and we're going to take note as we go through this portion of Scripture how often... How often this one theme is mentioned, do not eat any meat with its lifeblood in it. Pour it out on the ground. This is going to be repeated a number of times as we go through this portion. Now, uh, it's interesting that Scripture tells us in Leviticus 17.13, it tells us in Leviticus 17.13, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, and it tells us why. For the life of all flesh is in its blood. You see, God as creator is uh, not to be disrespected. And by eating the blood of the flesh, we're eating the life that he gave to that flesh. And so consequently, as believers, over and over again, it tells us the life of a creature, the life of an animal is in its blood. And we are not to partake of that blood. Now, uh, even we who are New Covenant believers, there seems to be scriptures that indicates that 
that we shouldn't be eating any meat with its lifeblood in it as well. In fact, if you want to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 21, and I'm going to read verse 25, the book of Acts, chapter 21. Acts 21, 25. The Acts of the Apostles, 21, 25. And it says, but concerning the Gentiles who believe, that's you and I. You understand a Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. So to the Gentiles who believe, we have written and declared that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, and from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. So even in this portion, talking to the Gentiles, it says we should refrain from eating blood. Now, it's interesting, though, that there is another portion of Scripture when it talks about the fact that when you uh, go into the house of a Gentile and they invite you there to eat, don't you know, ask them whether the sacrifice or the meat you're, you're eating was offered to an idol or not. Just eat it. So it seems to tell us that there are times that um, if we're, we're not sure, just don't worry about it. God's grace will cover it. But yet... It does seem to indicate that even Gentiles are not to eat, you know, any meat with its lifeblood in it. Now, I don't know what we do with that. I don't know how far we take it. I remember um, one of my first jobs when I graduated from college is I worked for the Schmun County Health Department. And uh, one of the things that we had to do is we had to go to slaughterhouses in order to inspect them and make sure they're clean and, you know, everything like that. And there was a slaughterhouse, actually it was right near where we lived at that time in Big Flats, and it was called Ziff's. And they were a Jewish, um, you know, um, what do you call it? Kosher slaughterhouse. And I know this sounds gross, but what they used to do is they used to take the, the cow that they were going to be slaughtering and cutting up into meat, and they would hang it upside down, you know, and they would slit its throat. And actually, believe it or not, that's a fairly humane way because um, you just get tired and you fall asleep when your blood is drained out. And they would let all the blood drain out before they then took the cow and, you know, cut it up into meat. And boy, they had good meat there too. It was really good. But anyway, the point is, it's interesting when we come across portions of Scripture like this because we as believers, obviously we want to be obedient to the Lord, but how do we know if we're getting kosher food or should we even worry about it? I think that has to be something that you deal with between the Lord and yourself. And, uh, but they're very interesting verses to, to look at. And um, because we have to understand the reason... It tells us not to eat any animal with its lifeblood in it is because all life belongs to the Lord. All life. And um, this physical life that we live belongs to the Lord. And that should be offered to him as a sacrifice, just like the blood was poured over the altar and just like Jesus' blood was poured over the altar of the cross for our redemption. We need to be willing to pour our life, you know, blood, sweat, and tears in a sense, to the work of the Lord. Just offer it to him. And uh, because our life is no longer our own. Do you understand that as believers? Your life is no longer your own. You were bought at a price. 
And so now we have to be completely obedient to the Lord. Turn to Romans uh, chapter 2. Because we have to understand that um, our full reward is not in this life. Do you understand that? That our full reward is going to be in the life to, cl- to come. The fullness of all that God has given us will be either at death or the rapture. When we enter in, it's going to be beyond what we can even think or imagine. I know for, for us, one of the most frightening things that we, we deal with in this life is death. It's a very frightening thing to deal with death. But yet, as believers, there has to be something that goes beyond that fear that gives us a joy. Scripture tells us that the Lord rejoices in the death of his saints. Well, what does that mean? It's not like, oh, I'm glad they're dead. I think it's, they're with me. To be absent from the body is to what? Be present with the Lord. So anyway, in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, acceptable to God. And I love what it says here, which is your reasonable service. I mean, the basic, the most reasonable service we give to God is just, here I am, Lord, I'm offering my life to you. I'm laying my life on the sacrifice, on the altar of sacrifice. Lord, use me. But of course, the Lord can only use us when we're willing sacrifices. But we're like the sacrifice that's placed on the altar and keeps crawling off. You know, that's why almost every day we have to say, God, forgive me, a sinner, and I just give my life to you. Now, it's interesting, there's a verse tucked in this portion of Scripture here that's very significant that I think at first glance people overlook. And so uh, here's what it says. It says, according, you can look at at it in your, your verse, your, the portion I'm covering, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he has given thee. So it's interesting. It's talking about according to. In other words, not everyone is given the same amount of blessing. According to the blessing which the Lord your God has given you. And to me, one of the things that that speaks to me is we're to be content with what we have according to the blessings which the Lord God has given you. Be content with what you have. I remember years ago, and when I was uh, uh, pastoring a church in, in Eastwood, and I was there for 15 years, and one of the members of the church, she and her husband didn't earn a lot of money, but boy, they lived a content, well-established life. And, and their house was probably as big as the platform here. I'm just exaggerating. But it was just a tiny house. But it was what they could afford. And their car was an older car. But it was what they could afford. And they never had any financial problems. They weren't living beyond their means. They were content with what God had given them. What he had ordained for them to have. And so we need to be willing to be content with what God has given us and, and with the blessings that we have in the Lord. See, in the United States, the big thing is to try to keep up with the Joneses, right? 
you know, my neighbor got this big house, I need to get a big house. My, my uh, you know, brother got this big car, I need to get a big car. I, it's always trying to keep up with the Joneses, but the problem is, oftentimes the Joneses have a faster car than we do, and you're never going to keep up with them. You know what I'm saying? You know, they're making $300,000 a year, and you're making $50,000 a year. You're trying to keep up with the Joneses, you're silly. You're never going to do it. And you're always going to be discontent. But if you live within the means of what the Lord has given you, you'll be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so we have to be satisfied with that. In fact, turn to 1 Timothy, chapter 6. 1 Timothy. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Okay, Timothy. 1 Timothy, chapter 6. I'm going to read a couple verses that I think are very telling in relationship to what we're talking about here. Look what it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Starts right off by telling us godliness, our relationship with the Lord, with contentment, just being content with what we have, I'm just thankful I've got God, is great gain. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out of it. So that old euphemism, you can't take it with you, is right from Scripture. <clears throat> Verse 8, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, <clears throat> and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for uh, uh, which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And I've heard many people say, well, yeah, but look what it says there. It says, the love of money. I don't have love of money. I just want to have a lot of it. <clears throat> you notice that? I mean, so many times when you have people that, use the, that come up with that, you know, it says right here, it says the love of money. It doesn't say there's anything wrong with having money. But most people that say that, they're seeking after money. I'm just content with what I have. I, I think for the most part, you know, I would say my whole life I've been content with what I had. There are times that I've had more and sometimes I've had less. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. He knew what it was like to, to love the Lord with plenty and with very little. So we just have to be satisfied and content in the Lord. And... Um, because here's the thing, if you're seeking more, you'll always be seeking more. Do you know what I'm saying? The eye's never satisfied, stomach's never full. So if you're seeking more, you're always going to want more. Just learn to be content. I love what it says in Hebrews 13:5. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness, desiring stuff. Be content with such things as you have. It's awesome, isn't it? And of course, this portion gives us uh, permission to offer sacrifices at home uh, when getting to the place of worship is too far away. In other words, it's, it's a physically impossible to just go there as often as we should. And I think it might um, uh, apply to those 
who are unable to come to church, for instance, who, who possibly have physical problems, or, or some who are in weakened conditions and, and might feel compromised by, you know, attending large gatherings or whatever. But notice they were still commanded to worship. Even if they couldn't get to the place where God commanded them to make these sacrifices because it was too far, they were able to sacrifice and, and, and eat their meat at home, but they still had to worship. They still had to do it. And so a lot of people, when they can't make it to church, they just use it to do whatever they want. And if you can't make it to church, you still want to have a time of worship, you know, with your family. And, and of course, we have um, the... The modern technology of today, like right now, our, our service is, is going live on YouTube and, and also on our uh, Facebook page. And so you can always at least be able to worship with the rest of the family. Um, also notice that this portion allows for the eating of the gazelle and the deer. And, um, you know, there are many times that financial hardship um, or unavailability um, of these animals, um, like the you know the uh, the goat and and the uh, lamb and and the oxen that they were able to eat, oftentimes it was either unavailable or they couldn't afford it. And God, in His mercy, saying, "You can go out hunting," because in the northern tribes those hills were loaded with deer, and so He gave them permission to go out and to hunt. And uh, but. Still, he told them, even when you hunt the deer and the gazelle, do not eat its lifeblood. Let it pour out on the ground like water, he tells them. And it is also commanded in this portion that they're not to forsake the Levites. What does that mean? Well, if you recall, when, well, we'll be finding out, when they come into the promised land, the Levites are not given an inheritance. All the tribes of Israel said, this portion of land is yours, this portion of land is yours. But the Levites were not given an inheritance because God said to the Levites, I am your inheritance. And so the Levites were the people who offered the sacrifices. They would be, in a sense, what we, today what we would call the pastors. And because they didn't have an inheritance of their own, the people were to take care of them. And it's no different in the sense that um, you know, people give an offering, and part of that offering is to help with the, the supply and the need of the pastor. And sometimes it's a very uh, scary thing to walk away from the security of secular employment and income in order to just trust the Lord. And so he's telling them, be faithful in taking care of the Levites. And then go to verse 20 of chapter 12. When the Lord your God enlarges your border as he has promised you and you say, let me eat meat because you long to eat meat, you may eat as much meat as your heart desires. And so those who say as believers we can't eat meat, they're wrong. I mean, Scripture is very clear. He says, eat as much meat as you want, as your heart desires. Now, having said that, the point is, if you had someone who wanted to eat a diet without meat, a vegetarian diet, a vegan diet, or whatever, and they were doing it just because that's what they wanted to do to be healthy, that's fine. But don't try to put a religious significance to it. Because the Bible says we can eat meat. Okay? And like 
Pastor Frank Jr. covered in the morning service when the, the sheet was laid down, with, uh, you know, brought down when Peter was on the roof praying and all these unclean animals were in there and the Lord said, eat. And Peter said, no, I've eaten nothing unclean. And at the end of that whole discourse, the Lord said to him, Peter, what I've made clean is clean. And so we have to understand God has given us all food for our enjoyment. But the reality is, if for some medical reason or from, for some health reason you desire to eat a special diet, there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. It really is. But like I said, so many people who go on some kind of a, of a vegan diet or, or a, um, you know, a vegetarian diet, they'll say, well, it's, it's scriptural. No, it's not. It's okay. You can do it. But don't try to make it you know, the godly thing that you're doing, just say, this is what I want to do for my health. And that's fine. It's okay. I am not able to do that because I really love meat. And uh, I remember, um, this is just getting off uh, course a little bit, but we were, uh, on one of our trips to Israel, we were staying at this one hotel, and this dining area we went into, they never served meat. And uh, so I... I uh, Finally said to our guide, Amir, and, and some of you probably go to Behold Israel online, and if you haven't, you should. He's a believer in Jesus Christ. He's third-generation Jew born in Jerusalem, but he's a believer in Jesus Christ. He's a lieutenant colonel in the IDF, and um, great guy. But anyway, I said to him, I said, Amir, where's the meat? And he said, he said well, this is a, 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 a kosher um, you know, restaurant that we're eating in, this dining area we're eating in, where they don't serve milk with meat and so forth, and so they don't serve meat. And I said to Amir, I said, I've got to have meat. Well, he started laughing and laughing, and I, ha I had no idea why he was laughing so hard. I didn't think it was that funny. But the next day, we're on the bus. I don't remember what site we were going to. Were you on that trip, Frank? And uh, Amir is there with his laptop, and He's laughing, and, and he and Frank got, got along great, and they were laughing together. And he opened up this advertisement or whatever it was, and it was a lion laying in the cage. And, and, there, and he said, I've got to have meat. <laughs> so, of course, Amir was thinking of, uh, of, of that commercial when I said, I've got, I like meat. I, I have to have meat. I'm a meatitarian. You know, it, it takes a lot of... Uh, I literally could just live on meat. But I have no problem with people that want to live on dust and... No, I just <laughs> I'm just joking. I, lo I love salads and things like that, too. No kidding. I really do. Um, now, it not only allowed for the eating of gazelle, as long as its lifeblood was poured out, but it was good for the people who were in the north because they used the skins, the leather, they you know, tanned the leather, the skins of the uh, gazelle and the deer, and they made footwear out of it and even some clothing. And um, now, moving on to verse 20 of chapter 12. When the Lord your God enlarged... Did I already start this? Yeah, I went down to uh, verse 21. If the people... If the place... 
where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, then you may slaughter from your herd and from your flock, which the Lord your God has given you, just as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your gates as much as your heart desires. So this is what I was referring to earlier. Sometimes where the tabernacle was was just too far to go on a, a regular basis. Just as the gazelle and the deer are eaten, so you may eat them. The unclean and the clean alike may uh, eat them. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. You may not eat the life with the meat. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it uh, on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that it may be well with you and with your children um, when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. I mean, notice how many times he refers to that, not eating the blood. Verse 26, only the holy things which you have and your vowed offerings you shall take and go to the place which the Lord chooses. And you shall offer your burnt offerings, the meat and the blood uh, on the altar of the Lord your God, and the blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall eat the meat. Observe and obey all these words which I have commanded you, and it will go well with you and your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Now, in this portion, there's a lot of repetition, so I'm not going to cover what's being repeated. But just notice that whenever the Lord repeats something, he's making a point. It's important. And um, so it should never be that you, you simply don't want to be obedient to the Lord or you don't want to go to the place the Lord is calling you to to make your offerings, it has to be that there's a logistic reason that you can't. In other words, oh, I, I can't go to church today because it's just such a beautiful day and the golf course is calling me. That's not a legitimate reason. I can't go to church today because I have the flu. Legitimate reason. Stay home. <laughs> So there are legitimate reasons that we might be, not be able to do things that the Lord has called us to do, but there are times that we maybe don't do what the Lord has called us to do just because we don't want to. And that's what he's referring to here. And so to permission, like I mentioned earlier, for them to be able to hunt uh, was a great blessing to the people because a lot of the people that lived in the north didn't have enough cattle, didn't have enough livestock that they could eat of it. You know, some of the livestock they had, like oxen, were for pulling the plows and so forth, and, and, and some of it were, you know, for sacrifices that they were setting aside to the, take, to the temple. So they didn't have a lot of extra meat for their, own, you know, for their own meals, and so they were allowed to go hunt. It was a great blessing to them. And um, this sacrifice that they made to the Lord, though, the sacrifice that they were making to the Lord had to be taken to the place that God commanded there are certain things, you know, the, 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 the free will offerings, the uh, uh, sin offerings, and uh, even some what they call the, um, the free will and, 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 all, and any kind of offering that they were making to the Lord, the, the animal that first opened the womb, any offering they were making to the Lord, they had to take to the place of worship. That was required. And one of the things that it shows me when we look at this, is the grace and mercy of God, because in this life we'll never be perfect. Have you ever realized that? And he's saying, you know, under the circumstances and in your life, you might not be able to obey everything perfectly, so I'm giving some um, 
you know, some other uh, ways that you can worship me if you're unable to perfectly keep all of my uh, commands as far as sacrifice are concerned. And so we have to realize that um, we, in this life, are never able to offer our sacrifices to the Lord perfectly. But someday, each one of us are going to enter into the heavenly Cana, in which we will be able to offer our sacrifices perfectly. And at that point, we won't have fleshly life. We're going to have spiritual life. And did you know we won't have blood in heaven? When Jesus came before his disciples and they were fearful that he was some kind of a spirit or ghost, he said, handle me, touch me, put your fingers where my nails were. And he said, understand, he said, because they thought he was a spirit, he said, a spirit does not have flesh and bone. Look it up. That's specifically what he said. Usually we say flesh and blood. does not have flesh and bone. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us that, you know, when we go to heaven, we're going to have a spiritual body. It says there was a physical body and a physical body, a spiritual body. The physical came first, then the spiritual. So when we go to heaven, we're going to have spiritual bodies. And so in heaven, we won't have blood because we aren't going to have animalistic life. We're going to have spiritual life. We're going to be a new creation in Christ awesome. You know, when you see things like that, it just really is such a blessing. There's so many things in the Bible that are very interesting. And I was, I was uh, this is really off track, but I was uh, talking to my one grandson the other day, and I said to him, to him, I said, did you know that Adam and Eve didn't have a belly button? He said, what? He said, yeah. He said, everybody has a belly button. I said, Adam and Eve didn't. He said, how can you say that? I said, the belly button is where the umbilical cord connected in the womb from the mother so that the child could be fed. Adam and Eve were created. They were never in the womb. They didn't have an umbilical cord. They didn't have a belly button. Just think about that for a minute. <laughs> that was completely off track. But uh, anyway, the point, the point that I'm making, you know, mostly here, is that there are things that God has commanded us that there's no leeway on. There's no way you can say, well, I can bend this this way, can bend that. No, no. This is what God has commanded, and that's it. There are other things that the Lord commands us to do that maybe we're just unable to do at that point. Follow what I'm saying? Just like he, he told the, gen, you know, the, the believers, he said, if you go to a banquet and they offer food up, don't ask whether it was sacrificed to idols or not, just eat it. And so... There is that grace that God has given us in this life, and that's the reason we need to show mercy and grace towards others. Because I think oftentimes we have our own standards of what Christianity is, and we expect everyone else to live up to those standards. Well, maybe the Lord has shown them something a little bit different than you. I'm not talking about sin, but just in the way they live. Um, not sin, but just in the fact that maybe they have different way. Well, I think you should get up four o'clock every morning and read the Bible for two hours. Well, I'd rather go to bed at eight o'clock and read the Bible for two hours. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes the Lord works in different people's lives in different ways. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together and for this portion of scripture. And 
I pray that you would bless to our understanding the things that you would like us to um, learn from this portion and help us, as always, to walk in all your ways, I pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And God bless you, my friends.